0: Hey friends, welcome back to Raising Young Achievers. I'm your host, Sharia Woods, and I am so excited today to have Shamaya Derrick on the podcast. First, because she's a friend of mine and I just enjoy spending time talking to Shamaya. But I'm also excited to share her with you all because she's an amazing licensed relationship therapist. She's also a best-selling author and her life's work is about teaching individuals and couples how to cultivate relationships and build marriages. You may be thinking, I thought this was a parenting podcast. What's happening? What are we talking about right now? But before you click to the next episode, This conversation really centered on how we communicate and work with our co-parents so whether it's your spouse your partner your ex or your extended family we dig into the ways that we can be more intentional about putting our kids at the center of all of our conversations and decision making so our entire tribe can be on the same page as we work to ensure that our children are getting everything that they need to be successful so I'm so excited you joined me today and I hope you love this episode let's go ahead and jump right in Hey, Shamaya. It's so good to see you today. I know everybody else can't see you. They can hear you, but (laughs) I'm glad you're here today. Yes, indeed. I'm glad to be back. Yes, I interviewed you for the Rise Society podcast, and it was one of the most listened to episodes, and I received a lot of positive feedback. Everybody was saying, I want Shamaya to be my therapist. Can she be my therapist?
1: (laughs) There's different ways they can work with me. We'll talk about that (laughs) Okay. Well, yes, let
0: them know because they were really excited about you last time. I wanted to have you back on the Raising Young Achievers podcast as we're talking to parents and thinking about our journey as mothers and fathers and, you know, how we can just set our kids up for the best start. And one of the things that really comes into play is relationships, right? The communication between the spouses or the partners or even communication with our moms, our mother-in-laws you know, aunties and uncles, like how do we think about creating a team where we're all kind of on the same path, making sure that we are providing the best things for our kids, but coming from maybe different backgrounds and different upbringings and different worldviews. So I wanted to just talk to you and get your experience on this. To kick us off today, where do parenting challenges come up in your practice? Like when you're working with couples, what percentage of the challenges would you say are related to
1: parenting? Oh gosh. I would wager to say every couple that I work with who has children, we talk about parenting. (laughs) So everybody's on the same boat. Everybody's in the same boat. It can take different forms, but for exactly what you described, where parenting and, you know, the the saying that we all know it takes a village, you need other people in order to do that. Like it's very, it's a lifelong, pretty significant task. And so when you're in a relationship or a marriage, whether you're in a relationship with your other parent or your co-parenting, even though you're not in a relationship, there's an interdependence there And so when you take two people who are different, who have different ideas, different perspectives they have to come together to do a shared task, there's just no way that it would not come up. Even for people who have really positive relationships, it is something that people don't always know how to navigate.
0: Yeah. So where do you start? I know one of your specialties is in communication. Mm -hmm. And so how does communication come into play when we're thinking about parenting?
1: I think one of the things that we start with is remembering that it's a shared goal. Parenting in particular, so in the couples world, we'll talk about um, topics that are important to you. Sometimes conflict comes from either person believing that there's only one way something can get done. So they're in this gridlock and they're bumping heads because they're trying to sort of see who wins out. Parenting for sure is something that I think there's not one way to do it the only way to do it is a way that basically honors what the need is and whether you have the idea or you have the idea the goal is for you to be able to do that together so one of the things we talk about is like what is at the end of the day what is the goal for the child to be taken care of for them to be healthy safe like whatever the case may be okay so we're on the same page about that and then we walk through where the sticking points are and why. There's a lot that could be fair that can be rolled into there as to why they're having those issues. So when it comes to communication, we have to be on the same page that we're on the same page.
0: Mm, I mean, that may be a process too, right? The parents may have different goals even for the kid. (laughs) So how do you have that conversation? Like I'm imagining maybe dad wants the kid to be a football star and mom is like, no, I want them to go to college. And maybe dad is like, college doesn't matter. How do you help them get to agreement on what even the collective goal
1: is so it's like two parts to it and we kind of go at it backwards I think because what you described and that's how people approach it they approach it with their ideas and perspective about what they want for the child so we take it all the way sort of back to the beginning and it's like what's your understanding of the child even if they're that. younger what are you seeing or does it seem like they are very interested in being more physical and so they might go into sports do they seem more creative do they seem more maybe introverted but when they do speak or express themselves are highly expressive and so there might be something there because I think again parents and wanting to be good parents <laughs> they they want to it's just like a relationship it is another relationship they want to be heard they want their ideas to be you know sort of put forth and they want to do the work but they're forgetting at the end of the day what's in the best interest of the child so we have a conversation about what is your understanding of who your child is and what might be needed how you get there there's that's a whole different process i think people jump into the how so we start with that and then we look at okay what are the strengths that you both bring to the table because we need to honor both. It's not that one person has all the answers. So when you think about the child and what might be the greatest need or the needs that you both can agree on, who makes sense to take the lead on this part? Who makes sense to take the lead on that part? And so we get to some balance as well. And if there's anybody else that's folded into there, you mentioned in-laws or grandparents or in this case, teachers, um, if they're kind of school age, like who's a part of the village and who should do what? I like that.
0: So it's like a role definition, and I love the concept of starting with the child because when you start there, then that kind of takes some of the, the fire, okay. <laughs> I guess you could say, out of the yeah. arguments. It's like if the kid doesn't like sports, then
1: okay, well that solves that. Because yeah. um, <laughs> what or usually what comes out of there always is their perspectives and it's like okay well why is it important to you that you know sammy is going to be in the PB league and it's nine times 9.9 times out of 10 well i did that when i was okay you did that and that's great so if sammy wants that the benefit that we have is that you have that experience and so you're able to guide that but let's get back to because remember that's what we were talking about let's get back to, to to sammy um and sort of you know vice versa and i think it does sort of level the playing field because a lot of I think the struggles have to do with you know and it can go either way sometimes it's experiences that the parents had that were really positive and so they're really passionate about it because they want their child to have that same experience sometimes that same passion is born out of their trauma or things that didn't go well in their childhood so they want to prevent their child from having that neither one of those reasons are right or wrong but it's like every child is different and the needs are going to be different. And for this to be a lifelong job for the, as far as we know, we have to get back to what's in the best interest of the child.
0: I love that. And you know, I love a good framework because we spend a lot of time together. Um, so I love the idea of starting with the child at the center, like who is who is our child, getting to know them, what their interests are, what they're passionate about. And then from there, okay, what function do we off play in helping to move this forward? Mm -hmm. You have this wonderful quiz that talks about all the different communication styles. Mm -hmm. How do you see understanding your communication style, understanding your partner's communication style? Like how does that play into building out a positive environment for each other and for the kids that are in the house?
1: For sure. So with the quiz, I mean, one of the things I think is very true is that regardless of what your communication style is, none of them are all good or all bad. It's just an awareness step of being aware of how what your style is and then being able to educate your partner on what that is. So, for instance, if you're an overthinker, that can get in the way when you spend too much time and you're kind of ruminating. But at the same time, what that means is that you're very thoughtful, that you are very considerate. You're thinking about a lot of angles to things, and that's very valuable in a lot of cases. If you're an overtalker, that can also can get imbalanced, and so we want to you know sort of lessen some of that. But that also means that. In certain instances, especially when it comes to parenting, you might be the voice. You might be the one that it's like, yeah, I can have that conversation. Like, yep, I can ask those questions. Like, I can do that because you spend a lot of time um, you know, communicating verbally in a way that could be useful. So I think when it comes to parenting, sort of the day-to-day and all the things that come along with that, in my opinion, whether it's a couple or a family where there's children involved, I am a, the proponent of treat it like a business. You got to have a strategy. You got to have a blueprint, and you have to be checking in on those plans. So, I think some people are doing kind of family meetings where it's maybe more connection and relationship focus, where they're sitting together and talking about you know what's going on. As the parents, you're the head of that, so you have to be able to set that tone. So finding you know twenty minutes, even that sometimes it doesn't have to take that long, maybe on a Sunday before the week starts to say, okay, what are the key points we need to hit this week? who's doing what because your relationship as parents your relationship with your child is going to be different you each have a relationship with them that looks different you're going to pick up on things that your partner might not and vice versa and so if nothing else there's a time and a container for you to be able to touch base not only about like the things that need to be done and all the to-dos but more so like hey what are we seeing sort of what's the priorities like what do we need to look out for when you're doing pick up or drop off this week or when I'm going to the doctor's appointment so there's an exchange of information that helps you then execute on the things that you need to for the week.
0: I love that because I know a lot of the trouble comes up when it's like things get missed or things get dropped or somebody feels like they're doing more than the other person. So having the intentional touch points seems like it would be a really helpful tool to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you think about parenting styles? So I'm thinking, you know, one parent wants to spank, one person doesn't want to spank, or one person's a yeller, one person's like, don't ever yell at my kid. Like, how do you help parents negotiate those types of just kind of, I would say like fundamental differences in parenting styles, Mm -hmm. where they may feel very strongly one way or another? Like, how do you get to
1: compromise in those areas? It's exactly that. If they're not on the same page, we have to look at what's causing the gridlock and what can we get to in terms of a compromise if one person's not willing to accept influence. So discipline is a big topic that comes up all the time. So if one parent is on the side of, I'm not a fan of, you know, spanking or raising voices or anything that could be perceived as aggressive, we take it a level deeper. Okay. As to why, because particularly in couples who are um, in relationships and also parenting, they get stuck in the what and they battle about the what, but your partner is someone who you love and care about. Well, you can give them that added layer of vulnerability and the context. It's rare if they're going to be like, yeah, I hear you, but also no. If <laughs> your reason for not being on board with that type of discipline is because it was done to you and that left you know sort of um, an impact on you and them understanding why and you painting the picture for them as to why. Most times they're like, okay, I get that. Okay, what might be sort of an alternative to that? And usually again, in the discipline realm, we look at discipline should be a progression. Like you're not ideally going for the most harsh consequence right out the gate. So how do you get a system in place where the child understand, we go back to the child. The point of this is the child needing to understand your request. How do we develop a system where there's things built in because they're a child and they're a person, it's going to be imperfect. How, do you, how are you teaching? Sometimes people go at discipline so much that nothing is being learned and the child is not understanding the request. And so we look at how do you set up a system where the two of you can be on the same page, where so everybody knows what to expect. So if it is like, okay, they're at the final step and here's the consequence, it's the partner, you're not confused as to how you got there. You're like, oh, okay, because we agreed that step one was going to be the timeout. Step two was going to be the consequence of, you know, no tablets. Maybe if there's a step three, it was this. Okay, now we're at step four. You already understand why. So you're not kind of lost in that. And so we kind of map those things out. Discipline is very key. Even sometimes with like homework or academic things, there's different ideas about that. Nutrition, foods, the way in which the child is fed, routines around, you know, bedtime is another, you know, pretty key one, depending on the age of the child. But We the long way of saying that, we try to get the parents temporarily to understand their own context and make sure that their partner understands that context. Because before you can get to even a compromise or trying to get to a solution, you have to understand your partner's perspective and where you're coming from. That solves for a lot of that.
0: Yeah, I love that. In the beginning of of your response, you were talking about going that level deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because a lot of times we don't even Think about why we feel a certain way about a certain thing. But if you take time to really have that conversation with yourself and then express it to your partner, that would be so helpful.
1: Parenting, it's a lot. The timing, I think this people, the timing of parenting is like times 10. Everything's happening fast. It's got to be done now. There's not a nice, easy, calm cadence to it. So when you're in the moment, when you're trying to problem solve, somebody's got to get somewhere. You're trying to get to work. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta. You're not gonna take the time to so like. let me tell you about the reasons why. That's just not the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, it needs to happen, but that's just not the time. So these time stamps that you can proactively put into this is really helpful because you can be in a calmer state. You can take the time to sort of explain the things that you're not going to get to when you're trying to manage day to day.
0: I love that being intentional. Of course, therapy is a great great way to do that. What mm-hmm. other tips do you give for people that maybe don't have a therapist, but need to have some of these conversations? Mm-hmm.
1: I think depending on the age of your child, especially if we're talking about behavioral things, it can get really tricky, but to the extent that you feel a level of comfort, setting the expectation with your child's teachers That you have an expectation of seeing them as partners, that you do parent from, you know, sort of a village standpoint and want to know, sort of at 360, what not only what's happening, but also communicating some things to them. Um, And some, depending on the age of the child, again, some teachers are pretty good about that. But as the child gets older, if it's just report card pickup, or they might send a note home every now and then. If that doesn't feel like that is in line with what you need, I think really setting that expectation of like, hey, you know, once a month, every couple of weeks, whatever makes sense, can we hop on a quick 10 minute call where I can just kind of give you a download of what we're seeing and just get a really quick update from you directly because we may not have time during the drop off and pick up or, you know, things like that where I just want to make sure that I'm keeping pace with what's happening with the child. So I do think incorporating the, the child's teachers Depending on the age of the child also, if there are things that you're noticing, there's levels to therapy. Someone could be in individual therapy and being able to process through maybe their own challenges or imposter syndrome about parenting. You and your partner could be in therapy together and talking about some of these things and navigating this. Your child could be in therapy and depending on the age of the child, yet again, that's a collaborative process. It's not just you dropping the kid off and you and a therapist and them doing what they do you are very active in those sessions as well because the child knows their perspective, but you have a different perspective. And so I think kind of setting yourself up for success for all the people that your child encounters on a regular basis is going to be really helpful. There are some therapy practices that do you know parenting classes or do parenting workshops where you know maybe it's not long term where you're going week, every, week after week but it's like hey you know what I don't know what this toddler age is going to be like I don't know what it's like to parent a teen like they have groups and you know again short-term things for parenting at these different ages or parenting around these different issues
0: yeah I love that being intentional in that way and in- including the teachers that's something that I've been learning I have a third grader now Mm -hmm. Um, so each year I get more comfortable being more like hey let's talk let's engage because I think the first year you kind of are trying to figure out navigate what's appropriate what do they actually have time to do and I've become a lot more comfortable being more demanding (laughs) as time has gone on Um, so I think that's great advice to just reach out. And if they're not responsive, then you can deal with that then. But from my experience, they've been excited and happy to have those conversations. So how do you think about it when parents separate or maybe they were never together formally? How is parenting different when the parents are not in the same house. And how do you navigate helping them with communication?
1: The irony is that other than maybe a little bit of an asterisk around the communication in terms of how it happens or when it happens, the process is the same. The child okay. is at the center of it. What's your understanding of your child? What's important to you? What's important to you? What strengths do you have? Who's going to take the lead on what is exactly the same?
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm sure that's very comforting to all of our parents. I know that that's one of the things I've had friends who are single moms and they always like wonder, like, is this having a harmful effect on my child? And even when people are trying to decide if they want to separate or not, that's one of the biggest concerns. So do you find that the kids are able to, you know, adapt pretty well and that it's more just routine?
1: In a way, yes. Because I think, again, what the reason that the process is the same regardless is because it keeps it child-centered. Mm -hmm. it doesn't get lost in the logistics of where you live and where I live and schedules and all those things that stuff has to get figured out one way or the other When you are still like what isn't in the best interest of the child it keeps you on a particular path and what you don't want is for the child to make up their own narrative Mm -hmm. and depending on the age they're going to create a perspective based on where they are in their life at six or eight or twelve and while well, there's definitely some discernment that you have to have around what's age appropriate and what is appropriate to share with your child, it's something that's happening around them and to them as well. And so there is a need, I think, to bring the child in to understand so they're not just being told or not told anything. And they're kind of making up their own story about that. And that requires a little bit of work and there might need to be a need to work with the therapist or you know the parenting coach around how to have those conversations. But it's night and day, the parents that I've seen that again, if, if changes have to happen in their relationship, when they're being really intentional and planful and mindful, how that looks versus kind of on the other side, because at different milestones you can see it. When the child is younger, first of all, children are highly perceptive, highly. So even if they don't have the language, they feel very deeply. So it's not a shocker when behavioral, th- behaviorally certain things are coming out. They're misbehaving at school or. Maybe they become very sort of withdrawn and introverted because they don't have the language, but they are trying, the body and the brain are just like adults are trying to reconcile that. So when they don't have any information, they know that something feels different. They know that mom is stressed. They know that they don't really see dad or if there's actual conflict, they're seeing that. That is where I think the impact comes into play. I think at the end of the day, children are just small people. We all like to know somewhat what to expect. So even if a couple is separating or if there's a divorce, well, there's many things you might not have the answers to, what is it that you know? At the end of the day, mommy and daddy or however the, the family takes shape, even if it's, you know, the genders are different, care about you, we love you, and we want to make sure that this is as easy as it can be. So... We're going to be letting you know about this or that. We're going to be having conversations about this. We want to know how you feel. If there's a question that you have, we want you to come to us and ask us. So the child understands at least that level. They might not understand Monday, Tuesday, like all the scheduling things, but that alone can help to bring a lot of that angst down.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I think keeping it child-centered, makes so much sense. And I'm thinking now about extended family because it feels like the same advice will take hold. Okay. <laughs> but as we're navigating different generations and, you know, I just think parenting has changed a lot or the mm-hmm. the viewpoints that people have about parenting have changed in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. So that could be a challenge too of like navigating grandma has a certain way of doing things. Parents have a different way of doing things what advice would you give about
1: dealing with those type of generational differences? To the extent that you can, and I get that this might not always feel possible or be possible depending on the adults involved, but the more that you and your partner or co-parent, if you are not in a relationship together, can approach that as a team and be seen as a united front, it increases the likelihood that it will be successful.
0: So it's not one parent siding with their mom and mm-hmm. then the other parent's like, no, I want to do it a different way. It's like team and then go to the next house. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Correct. It's yeah. So we talk about weeness in the couple's world, which is basically just pulling needs together and communicating them from a, a joint standpoint. It's going to be different than When you and, you know, your partner or co-parent are showing up and saying, hey, mom, here is what we have decided when it comes to, you know, what Johnny needs to eat for dinner versus, yeah, I want you to do, you know, wife, my co-parent wants you to do this. They're not going to take that so well. That Mm -hmm, creates divisiveness from the beginning. Um, But it's like, once you're in it, like, hey, I'm on board with this too. This is not just them. They're not the enemy. We are on the same page. We talked about it. And this is a decision that we have made. The more that you can get we in there, they might still choose to do something else. And grandparents are good at that. But they've at least heard it from you. And it it starts you out on much solid footing.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, this kind of goes with my next question about avoiding conflict, because I've definitely been guilty of that. How do you think about healthy conflict and when to engage, when to just let it go? What advice do you have on
1: that? Sure. I think, again, it goes back to the modeling piece. Sometimes how it's presented can set the tone. And it takes some practice, but being able to present it in a way that's kind and and compassionate and all the things, but resolute, it's like a period at the end of the sentence versus a question mark. Where it's like, here's what we've decided as it pertains to this, and then offer them a little bit more. Like we decided that, we're not going to move forward. We're doing this because at this particular time, we feel like it does or doesn't do X, Y, and Z. So like offering a little bit more of that um, explanation, I think can be really uh, beneficial as well as people being people. And when you're talking about in-laws, when you're talking about grandparents, you're now adding more adults into the equation You still state all those things. I think it still needs to be stated. Like you don't need to kind of sit on your own feelings. I think also at the end of the day, maybe you prioritize scale of one to 10. What what are our non-negotiables? That's like, these are a no, or these are a yes. These things have to happen or these things cannot happen. And it's probably gonna be six or seven things where it's like, grandma's gonna be grandma. We already know what she's getting ready to do. (laughs) <laughs> is that on our list of top 3 no well i still mention it and to describe what we have decided yes is it the hill to die on no
0: yeah i love it do you give similar advice to couples about dealing with conflict like ranking it do we really want to have this argument or not is it important to have this conversation
1: Oh, absolutely. My perspective, knowing that conflict is going to happen, we're just human and that's just a part of it. But when there's something and it's just like keeps coming up, keeps causing blow ups, I'm like, okay, so you know what a blow up feels like. You know what maybe a little bit of tension feels like. If you're going to give the energy to something being a full on blow up, what warrants that? Because everything doesn't warrant that. Mm -hmm. It's like be strategic with the cards that you play. If you like, I've thrown my coping skills out the window, like you're going to get what you get energy. What is the topic that that needs? Be specific about what that is.
0: I love it. I love it. So you mentioned that pretty much all of your couples that have kids have some conversation about parenting. Like it's it's something that everybody is dealing with And I know that becoming a parent can kind of change the fabric of the relationship, Mm -hmm. whether it's positive or negative. It does just because you have this added person in the house. And so Mm -hmm. just the nature of that would change the the relationship. Um, And so what advice would you give to somebody who's the relationship has taken a negative turn after having a kid and they've gotten to the point where they feel like there's no hope? They're even thinking, is this even the right partner for me? based on the challenges that they're having around parenting do you have any good success stories that you can share people who work through these things and like how do you think about getting people because some of the advice that you were giving earlier was like have a deeper conversation but for the people who are kind of feeling like they're beyond that point where they want to be open Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give them
1: and there's two points that come to mind one Although the addition of the child or children is the thing that they are reacting to and having conflict around, in my opinion, it's not about the child. It's unearthing deeper issues that went unchecked. And this is the new example that they Um. can't sweep under the rug anymore because it's rare. Knowing that parenting is hard and I am not dismissing that. It's rare that couples that are in a healthy, realistic, not perfect, bonded relationship have a child. And outside of those tough seasons, things fall apart mm. because they're still navigating through tough seasons together. Trying to see it as temporary, moving forward and learning how to have a different level of relationship at that point. But it's not like, okay, we I don't think this is the relationship for me because we have a child. So they would probably need to get into some couples therapy, part two. <laughs> because in all fairness as well, if and this happens too, where there are relationships, unfortunately, that are troubled. And so the so kind of example number one. So example number two sometimes there are relationships that are pretty good and people feel pretty good about it and then they have a child and again it unearths some things that are deeper not that they were issues that sometimes there's just differences Mm. like you have deeply rooted fundamental differences about what it means to be in a relationship in a marriage as a family your role as a mom your role as a dad like it brings up things that aren't necessarily conflict driven it's like a deeper fundamental of like oh we have very different ideas about what all of this means that feel like they just don't go together and we're clashing around parenting because it's bringing up a lot of those things our ideas about money our identities like self-care time alone sex like just the whole gambit and so it's still I think support in therapy, but also if that is happening and people are really questioning, is this a relationship for me? In the couples therapy world, there's a um, type of counseling called discernment counseling, where it's literally designed to help you figure out that. Is it that this actually just isn't the relationship for me? And if so, what are the steps given that we've built a life, we're parenting now, how do we do that in a way and untangle that or reformate that in a way that does not cause um, damage or harm?
0: Yeah, that's really good. It's the idea that it's not the child that's causing the challenges, but it's the child is unearthing some truths that maybe we hadn't had an opportunity to examine before.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so what does that mean? mean? Yeah, that's really good. It's always so amazing to have you on. I'm so glad that you joined us. Before we leave, I wanted to ask you if you have one overarching piece of advice for parents and their communication and their support of their kids. Like as you've counseled, I don't know how many couples, what's one piece of advice you want to leave with the group?
1: I think when it comes to parenting, it's almost like a collection of all the things that we talk about. I think you need to give yourself and your partner grace. It's the one thing that you have to take in. You're not going to be perfect at. You're going to be imperfect, and that's okay. Keeping the child at the center of it and also knowing that for all intents and purposes, there's a solution for any challenge that you come up. It's just finding the solution that works for you.
0: I love it. That's good advice for even me, too. (laughs) Good to hear. So if my listeners and friends who hear this want to work with you, want to know more about what you have to offer, where should they look?
1: For sure. So they can always go to my website, com. Um, as well as to kind of see what's new and sort of get like, you know, good tidbits. They can go to my Instagram. It's also just my name, Shamaya Derrick. And there's a link in the bio to sign up for my email list where I send out all types of, you know, tidbits when you're kind of on the go and and need to get sort of some quick information.
0: Awesome. And I will also put a link in the show notes to your
1: your communication
0: survey, because that's Mm -hmm. really cool too, if they want to take that. Um but thanks so much for joining us today this has been such a great conversation and i know everyone's going to get some good tips and nuggets out of it
1: awesome thank you i appreciate it this is fun
0: I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Shamaya. I felt like I took so many gems and nuggets from this conversation and I just pray that you're taking some too. If you enjoyed this episode and you think of anyone who might benefit from hearing some of these tips and strategies, I hope you'll share it. Whatever platform you're on is usually pretty simple just to click the share button and get a link that you can text to a friend. Until next time, stay strong friends.